welcome everybody online. Um, this week's shout out to Hoboken, New Jersey. All right, and uh, there, I just got a, a picture of a newborn baby that's watching me from Hoboken. So, how are you? All right, uh, wherever you're watching from, we're we're glad that you can be a part. Uh, we're doing a series called Now, uh, living in the moment, and uh, I think this is one of the more important parts of the series. And the t- today's message is, is called, Now What? Or you might say, What Now? Anybody ever had this question? What now? Because um, life keeps changing. Have you noticed this? Um, how many of you have ever gotten like a little certain season of life and you just wanted to sort of box it and sell it right there? Like keep it isolated. But life keeps changing, doesn't it? And in Ecclesiastes, the writer says, uh, he called it seasons, you know, life has its seasons. And he says there's a time for every activity because there are different seasons. There's a time to laugh and a time to cry, right? There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. Um, There's a time to stack rocks and there's a time to take rocks down. And what we learn is that life keeps changing. It has different seasons. And in every season, you adapt and you adjust to that particular season. The wise thing to do is when the season changes, you adjust or you change with it, right? Like I have like two friends that go to church here that don't understand this. When it's 20 degrees out, they still wear shorts. You know some of these people, right? One of them sometimes helps with the stage here, and he will come up here in the middle of the winter and have his shorts on. But wise people get a coat and long pants, all right? Uh, in other words, this, you learn to adjust as the new season comes into your life. And so the question for us is not always, what should I do? But the first question is sometimes, what season is it? What season? How do, how do I know what I should be doing with my life right now is sometimes determined by what season of life am I in? As I mentioned earlier, there's a certain football game today. And one of the things that you hear about constantly when you're listening to the talk about the football game is this phrase called situational football. Situation, you're going to learn something today, at least, if not about Jesus, about football, all right? And situational football is you don't make a plan and then do your plan no matter what. You make a plan that is held loosely, you see what the other team does, and then you, what? Adapt or you adjust, or if you're playing offense, they say, take what the defense gives you. All right? Right at the line of scrimmage, they, they, it's, they say it's calling an audible. We have a run play designed, and they have everybody up there in front defending the run. I'm going to call an audible. Instead of running, we're going to what? Pass. We have a pass play. They're set up for a blitz, and it's not going to work. We're going to adjust it. And so this is life. It's situational. We adjust according to what it gives us to be happy to be healthy, to be whole. We have to say, this is, the, this is the situation, this is the season that life gives me right now. Now, it's Michigan. It is 
now mid-February. Right now, most of you, no matter how diehard of a Michigan person you are, you hate the season right now. You're ready for it to be over, right? You're thinking of warmer places, of palm trees. You want to adjust your situation. But right now, this is your situation. Oddly enough, people that move to Florida will sometimes say, I so badly miss the seasons. You have those relatives too, right? To which you say, you're wrong. You are wrong. You do not miss this. Life keeps changing. So they go into halftime, and at halftime, they make what they call halftime, anybody know? Adjustments. You've heard that, right? It's really, what is it? Halftime repentance. Right? I've taught you this over the years. I've taught you this, that repentance isn't a church word. We've made it a church word. It never was a church word. It just meant to change strategies, change directions, change what you're thinking about. So literally, they're going to go in at halftime and they're going to repent. We thought this is what was going to work. We thought this was the plan. We thought, but now we're going to have to do this. Now you're going to have to move here. Now we're going to have to run this play. Bill Belichick is going to get in there and say, repent, right? Stop running this play, run this play. Stop doing, and they adjust. This is, this is important. I want to take you to a scripture, Matthew chapter 12. And it's Jesus with the disciples, verse 1. It says uh, Jesus went through the grain fields with the disciples. And as they were going through, they were hungry. And it was the Sabbath. And um, what's the original plan? On the Sabbath, you don't what? Pick a grain. That's the original plan. That's the one they drew up pregame. But they were what? Hungry. They were hungry. So it's the Sabbath. The original plan was don't pick grain. But they were what? Hungry. So what they do when they were hungry? says they began to pick grain. He says uh, they began to eat and it was the Sabbath. Now, let's keep going. Uh, When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, they said to Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is, what? They're not running the original play. That's not what they're supposed to do. That's wrong. They broke the law. They broke the law. By the way, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a book study with some, some guys, uh, a small group that I have, and we're reading a book, and we, we all kind of highlighted a similar line in there. This guy wrote in the book. Uh, I would highlight, it's in our bookstore. It's called Falling Upward. But it's, he says in there, what you need to do is you need to be so familiar with the rules that you know how to break them. In other words, what was the purpose of the Sabbath? The purpose of the Sabbath, like a lot of the other quote, rules that God makes are for your health and well-being and goodness and rest. Why does God make things? Because he wants to make you miserable? How many parents here make rules for your kids just to make them miserable? Like, I, you know what I do? I just try to think of things. Can, now, they think that at times, right? Now, unless you're really whacked out, right? Unless you are really a twisted parent, you make them to what? protect them, to guide them, to care for them, to keep them healthy and whole and moving and growing and going in a good direction, unless you're wacko. 
I mean, honestly, that's it. And there are times where the rules need to be, what? Broken. So it was for their health, but they were hungry, so they had to break the rule. It was as simple as that. It was just as simple as that. It wasn't the season. This particular season called for something different. This, listen to this, listen. Wise people, wise people understand the season of life that they are in, and they know how to adapt and adjust their life according to that particular season. One of the things that happens to us is sometimes we get caught up in a season and we don't see it changing. We don't realize that something different has happened. And so we get stuck. Sometimes you get caught in a season of life and you want something and you want something and you want something and you realize that's for a later season. That's for that season. But you get fixated on it. Anybody ever get fixated on something? To your own detriment? It'll, it'll come to you. You have. You got fixated on it. You got fixated on it to your own detriment. And you couldn't let it go. And maybe it was to be a part of your life. Maybe it was to be a part, but it wasn't to be for this season. So, what happens is we are in, we're not in the season for that, but we get fixated on it and we obsess on it. And then we forsake the things that are around us in this particular season. How many parents ever hear dressing your kids and they wouldn't dress for the season? Right? They want to wear a princess dress and it's 20 below. Right? Anybody, you've had this, right? Or you have the boy that doesn't want to wear shoes because he didn't wear shoes all summer and then he has to go to school. You're like, no, summer's over. What? School has started. We wear shoes now, right? They, they can't adjust to the new season. So what happens sometimes for us is we get stuck in a season. The Pharisees, ready? They were stuck. All they could do was just hold on, and they, didn't, they couldn't look around and go, well, obviously, obviously that was a general principle, and rules are meant to be what? Broken. It was a guideline. It was helpful. It got them to a certain place. Read in Galatians. This is really important. This is important for a bunch of people. This is important for those of you who believe you're so biblical. And by that, you mean right. You're right about everything. And you hold on to the Bible, and you hit people with it, and you show them how you're right, and you point to verses and all this sort of thing. Here's, here's what Galatians says. The law, ready, was like a guardian that took you to school. In, in those days, in those days, young students who, who went to school were often privileged and often they would have a tutor or someone that would escort them to school. Right? Now, when I grew up, how many like grew up in my era like mom was like, see you later, right? Have you seen now how it is? Huh? Now it's like mom has, she's got, she, she, she can't, she doesn't just walk to the bus stop to pick you up. She has a golf cart, right? 
And it's not just a, it's a souped up golf cart and it's got blankets and there's a cooler in case he's thirsty the minute he gets off the bus, right? And they pull up. See, I'm not even exaggerating, am I? That's what's really sad. I haven't even got to hyperbole yet. I mean, this is just, right? But what they would do is they would escort them to school. This tutor would escort them and then they would take them home. It was such a needed and necessary thing in their day. But then when you grow up, you don't need the what? You don't need the tutor anymore. So what Paul writes in Galatians is, it, it got us to a certain place. It had a season, but that season came and what? It went. Now you have bigger things. One of the things that the church needs to wrestle with. Ready? Can we ha- big boy talk for a minute? Can we handle it? How many can handle it? Put your hand up. How many don't want to hear it? I just came for a quick, easy message. Rah, rah. Ready? Life's changing. Life's changing. Let me take you to a scripture in Galatians. Uh, Galatians 3. Let me, let me let you think about it. We'll talk about it. Um, you, you may have to... Jo- oh, there we go. Okay, let's do it. Galatians 3. Um, ready? Let's do this. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew. Now stop there. How many would agree with that? Like, we shouldn't be divided. Like, maybe make the Gentiles sit over here and the Jews sit over here. How many would say, we can all just sit wherever you want? I mean, before that, you'd be for that. Now, the thing you need to understand is... Um, my, most of you I know are Gentiles. When the church started, it was almost all Jewish. Well, it was all Jewish when it started. And then the Gentiles started coming in. And then they became more and more and more. And then there was a tug of war between Jew and Gentile. And, and Paul was trying to say that, that they were all equal. There shouldn't be a division. That if you're Jewish, you should get first in the coffee line. And the Gentiles get whatever's left over. He was trying to say it should be equal. Okay, let's go back to the verse. Um, There should be no division between Jew and Gentile. There should be no division between slave and free. How many today would say, I would agree with that? Please help me and put your hand up there, brother. Just for your own dignity, put your hand up. Okay? Yeah, I don't think if... But in, in, in those days, in biblical days, right? If you, were, if you were free, you could come to the love feast that they would have. They would have a love feast. So when they had communion or the Lord's Supper, it wasn't just a little simple act at the end of the service like we do, but it was a meal. And, you, and if, you, if you were a free man and you had a business, you could come early. Get off work early. You can come there and enjoy and knock around with your friends and drink. A lot of the guys were kind of a little tipsy by the time the... Isn't that funny? You didn't know this, did you? This is true. Just read your history. And so, that when he said drink in an unworthy manner, remember that verse? He was like, some of you guys, you're already drunk by the time the slaves even are able to get into the... So this is a big deal. It's like, no, we should all be... Now, how many today would say, I agree with that. We don't have 
legalized slavery, another discussion, but I agree with that. Now, how about this one? Um, There should be no division, male and female. Men are not better than women. Women, all the ladies are raising their hands. How many would agree with this one? Men are not better than women. Women are not better than men. Yes, you agree. You agree. Oh, you're like the smartest church ever. And then he gives this sentence. Among us, you are all what? What's the word? Let's say it together. You are all what? Equal. You are all equal. You are all equal. Let's say, this to me is the general principle. This is important. A little five minutes of Bible study. Can you hang? You are all equal. All y'all. Rich people, poor people, black people, white people, brown people, Asian people, Arabic people, people from Flint. Everybody's equal. From Flint might be a little better than everybody, but uh, I mean, but just a little, not not a lot, just a little. Outside of that, we're all pretty much equal. Here's the general principle: is that all of us humans are what? Equal. The general principle is that we're all equal. The examples were: what were the examples? Jew and Gentile, right? Male and female, slave and free. Could there have been more examples? I think there could have been more. Why? Why did he pick those examples? Probably picked those examples because those were the things that they were wrestling with in their culture at their time. That's my guess. How many would guess that? That's probably true. If Paul wrote this in the 60s, I mean, if, no, so I think, I think, I don't know. I think if he wrote this in the 60s, it would have said black and white. I think in the 60s, I think he would have wrote that. I don't know that. I think that. How many think with me? That's probably a really good possibility. I think so. What would it say today? Who would be the example today? Who are we struggling to think is equal to us today? Don't answer. Just answer in your head. In your head. But sometimes what we have done is we've looked at the Bible, we've made an idol of this one half of a verse and said, well, we got it all covered. We got male, female. But I just think, no, we've forgotten that the general principle is that we are all equal. And what we have to do, ready? We have to go, now what? What does that verse mean now? What does that verse mean today? Here's another principle. When you have power and position, ready? When you have it, it's hard to let go of it. When you're in the position of strength, you see, it was always against the people that had the power that Paul was always trying to say. It was to the men that had freedom. He was trying to include the slave, right? 
It was the people that had the most. He was trying to include the least. Today, we have to ask some tough questions. Who are we looking down on today? Now what? In other words, you look at that verse in Galatians, and most of us go, duh, Paul. How many of you kind of go, duh? Slaves and duh. Put your hand up. Duh. Duh, Paul. That's no, that's no news. That's, at, the t- at the time, it was news. At the time, it was bombshell. What? Scandal. Paul said, men and women are equal. At the time, Paul said, slaves and free are equal. At the time, he said, Jews and Gentiles are equal. It was bombshell stuff. Now it's duh, Paul. The question is, fill in the blank. I need to say something else before we fill in the blank. This made people uncomfortable. Hmm? Anybody ever been uncomfortable? You ever been socially uncomfortable? Certain things make us comfortable. Certain things make us feel good. If we're around people that look like us and smell like us and talk like us and believe like us and vote like us. And root for our team. But Paul came in and he made people uncomfortable. And when he made them uncomfortable, they resisted that. What we do is we resist this movement forward. We resist it because we want to stay what? Comfortable. I spent most of my week in Washington, D.C., working with other like-minded pastors and leaders around the country to fight for the United States of America to keep being good to those who are not a part of the United States of America. I spent my week doing I don't care who you voted for. It's not what I'm talking about. Some of you went right there, didn't you? That's not what I'm talking about. That's what gets us into all of our problems. I don't care who you voted for. Maybe the fill in the blank today would be, we're all equal, American and non-American. Holy bombshell, God would never say that. God would never say that. We're all equal. The problem is sometimes we haven't been willing to ask enough questions about equality. Who do we think is not equal? By the way, in case you think you know me or understand me or know what side I am on anything, you don't. You don't. After that meeting, I took a tour of the FBI headquarters. What I know is life is complicated. Does anybody know this? 
the sooner we can admit life's complicated, the better off we are. But here's what I do know. Everyone's equal in God's eyes. Every human being is equal in God's eyes. Everyone. Now what? As a people of faith, we have to ask ourselves questions. Not, are we finally going to get over the idea of slavery? Please. But the question we have today is like, now what? It's okay, friends, to be uncomfortable sometimes. Do you know there are over a million refugees sitting in a camp just over the border of Syria into Lebanon? Over a million. 1.2 to be exact. It's about double the current population of the city of Detroit. Two of the cities of Detroit shoved How fast can you get enough service to those people? How fast can you get enough garbage and water and sewage and... Not fast enough, my friends. The warning was always to Israel when they got into the promised land because they had been the oppressed. Because they had been the oppressed... The warning to them was when you get into the promised land, don't you forsake the foreigner. It was warned. If you've never read the Bible, then you don't. If you have read the Bible then, and you don't see it, you, you looked right past it. You're, I'm going to take you out of slavery. I'm going to give you a promised land. I'm going to give you a beautiful land. But when you get there, but when you get there, but when you get there, please take care the orphans and the widows and the foreigners and the aliens, please. Because it was a gift from me that you got there. By the way, if you've ever read the Bible, that's the whole story of the Bible. And then they lost it. And why did they lose it? Because they didn't take care of the foreigners. That's the whole story of the Bible. I just told you the whole story of the Bible. Old Testament right there. That's the story. Don't be arrogant. Deuteronomy 8. When you arrive and think for yourselves, it is my power, it is by my hand that I arrived here. Don't be arrogant. Don't worry, I'm going to make it more comfortable in about 30 seconds. I know we like comfort. All of us are changing. All of us are growing. It's hard to change. It is. It's hard to accept people that you believed were unacceptable. I understand that. It's hard to love people that you've always been told you're not supposed to love or that aren't lovely or that aren't lovable. But we can change. It just happens slowly when you start to see people as human. You don't look at their label. You don't look at their hairstyle. You don't look at their dress. 
You don't look at the color of their skin. You just see them as people. That's where it begins, when you humanize them. To dehumanize someone is to just label them. And you can change. But I think we got to. I think we have to adjust. I think we have to repent. I think we have to soften our hearts. I really do. Don't think you think you know about me or who or what I voted for, because you don't. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the equality of every human being, no matter what. In the eyes of our Creator, no matter what. This, my friends, this, my friends, is the heart of God. Anybody ever, um, you've been outside, this happened to me the other Sunday. I was outside, it was a bright winter day, and the snow had just fallen, and the sun was out, and the snow was falling. And when that happens, what happens to your eyes? Don't they get really, they, they, they get like this, so you can block out all of the, the brightness of the sun reflecting off of the snow. And then I, I came from outside, and I walked in the, in the back here, and I, when I walked in, I could see what? Nothing. I couldn't see anything. And it takes a while. This is important. It takes a while for you to, what? Adjust. To see. I get it. Some of us, it's going to take a while to adjust. To see. It's okay. It's okay. Every summer, I go back to Flint for a golf outing with my brother and a bunch of buddies that I grew up with in Flint and see them all. And I left Flint earlier than most of the guys. And so uh, one day I go to the barbecue of one of my closest friends' house there in Flint, right behind where I grew up. And we're sitting in the backyard having a barbecue. And they bring in this guy. And they say, like, who's this guy? And I'm like, oh, and I won't give all the names, but they're like, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so. And they're high-fiving him and everything. Now, when I, this is important, when I left, he was the enemy. He played on the other baseball team. We hated him. Now, right, it's been like 30 years, and I'm back there, and I'm like, we don't love this guy. We hate him. I'm like, no, we love him now. I missed the whole what? Adjustment. I miss the fact that later on that the junior highs start playing together in high school and then enemies become friends and you get over things and you go on. And I missed growing up. But you adjust. I still wanted to punch this guy 30 years later, right? No, I'm just My brother's hugging him. They're all hugging him. They're all glad to see him. I missed it. Don't miss it. Let God work in your heart. We need to ask fresh questions. Now what? Now what? I don't know if we've settled all these other things, by the way. Male and female. I don't know if we've settled all these things. I don't necessarily think that we have. But here's what I'm saying. We have to keep asking the question in our generation. If everyone's equal... Now what? There's some more fill-in-the-blanks that would make you even more uncomfortable. 
which I'll leave. Let me close with this verse, Acts 17. In fact, I'll, I'll try to carry this into next Sunday night when I do the education piece. Uh, Acts 17. Um, do we have it? Okay, here we go. Ready? Paul is in, he's in Athens. He, he's talking to the people there. They're talking about to an unknown God. And Paul's trying to kind of give an overview of, of God. And, and he says, God from us, uh, from one, God made all of us. So in, in other words, he's saying we're all brothers and sisters. And then he gets this certain part in his speech that I think is an important part. I don't have time to unpack, but I just want to read. In the past, God, what? What's that word? One, two, three? Overlooked. In the past, God overlooked. Some of you, that's just messed up your whole theology. Everything you, God doesn't overlook anything. He just brings the hammer down. You sin, bam, you're done. That's what you were taught. God don't play. What does it say? God what? Parents, how many of you have ever overlooked something? Put your hand up. For survival, you overlook some stuff, right? You knew it wasn't even right or wrong. I don't have time. Put your hand up. I don't have time. Right? I'm not saying God didn't have time, I'm, but here's what I am saying. Certain times, at certain age, you just overlook things. By the way, isn't that the whole, isn't that the whole test? When do I stop overlooking that? When do I, how do I, anybody? But when you're in, you just overlook it. I can't expect him to do that. I can't expect that out of her at that age. Ready? We are all growing up. I'm talking about human history. I'm talking, there's certain things that as humanity involved, that God is just like, they're not there yet. He goes, but it's half time. Right? It's time to make some adjustments. When Jesus shows up, he changes everything. I don't have time. I don't have time. But here's what I want to say. God knows you he knows us he sees our development he meets us where we are and then there comes a time when he challenges you to adjust but you got to adjust now that kind of thinking isn't going to work anymore we got to take it up a notch what is the fill in the blank today? When you're eating your buffalo chicken dip today, at halftime, this is the question I want to rattle in you. Here's the principle we're all equal. Today, what would be the example 